Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Joining me today, you may know him from John Boy Media and all the videos on YouTube of him freaking out over Yankee losses. <laughs> and that, of course, is the world-famous Joe's McFly. Joe's, thank you very much for hanging out with me today. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm still kind of like looking over my shoulder, seeing if they're going to send security to <laughs> get me out of here. But, you know, I'm here today. If they didn't grab security to get Lugie out of the studio <laughs> in two days, you're fine. Now, me and Joe's were hanging out. We were chatting. We were talking baseball, talking about life. And we witnessed something that I think we need to address because if this happens one month from now, people are going to freak out. People are going to lose their minds. And all of the momentum that has been gaining towards the beauty of the pitch clock will disappear. Yes. The Mets are playing a meaningless game today. Max Scherzer's just getting ready for the start of the season. And he let the pitch count expire, not on purpose. And then right as it expired through a pitch, and a double play was turned. And so if you're watching the game, you're like, oh, yay, double play, everybody's happy. But then we saw that it was a pitch clock violation. A ball is called. There's no double play. Max looks like he has to go to the bathroom. He then proceeds to give up like seven runs, and Max Scherzer's taken out of the game. You oh. saw it. I saw it. Is this, this is not like the end of the world for the pitch clock, is it? No, but <laughs> don't let that happen in an important game, like something happened, or like a rivalry game. Like If it's Yankees-Red Sox as an example, um, or you guys are going against the Braves, Big play in the game, and you have a double play that you think it's a double play. Everybody's hype and happy, and ends up being oh, that's a pitch clock thing. It's every people are gonna go ballistic. They I know are. I would. Oh no, I. But you know what's funny? So I'm watching this clip, and I knew what happened before it happened. To be fair, he threw the pitch at zero. Like he yeah. he committed a pitch clock violation. And here's a little message for Max Scherzer: You want to play your little games? You want to get all cute? You want to, oh, I'm going to milk the clock to zero. I'm going to play head games with the hitters. That's great. Make sure you get the pitch off before it hits zero. Because if it does, it's a violation. Just like in the NFL, if you don't get the playoff before zero, hey, it's a delay a game and there's a five-yard penalty. So let that be a lesson for Max and let it be a lesson for everybody in baseball that you can try to take advantage of this clock as you should. Yep. But if you commit a violation, they're going to call it. Yeah, as they should. They should call it. You know, they should definitely call it to the letter of the law. I mean, we seen Wandy the other day just I, mean, I know just strike somebody out in like twenty seconds. Yes, uh, they could, the whole thing. So there's no real excuse, um, but it's gonna be tough when it does happen. We just gotta get used to it, kind of like how in basketball, you know, there's that shot clock. 
you know, somebody doesn't get it off, everybody just like, well, you didn't get it off. It's you part of the game. Rest. Yeah, it's part of the game. It's a part of the game. And, you know, we're still figuring out in the early going. It's why I think spring training ratings are actually through the roof, and they are. Like, everybody's bragging about how high spring training ratings are, and I think the reason that they're high is because that there's an intrigue factor. There's people yes. saying, I want to see how this thing works, and in a normal game where there's no violations, you notice, okay, the game moves quick, but when you see a violation – that's when people's antennas are going to go up and say, oh, my God, what if this happens in a regular season game? But in the early going, the pace of the game, you mentioned that Wandy Peralta sequence from yesterday's yeah. Yankee game. He literally struck a guy out in 20 seconds, and it was incredible. I'll be honest, in terms of the pace of the game, I love it. Um, I was worried about, oh, the game's going to feel rushed. I watched a Yankee game the other day where I look up, and it was they were going into the ninth inning, and I don't know, going into the eighth inning, and it was like two hours in. I'm like, whoa, I'm not used to this. <laughs> my, I have kids. My kids get a little kooky. You know, they'll go with me to the games. But around the seventh inning, they start to get a little loopy. Like, they want to go home or whatever it is. And what do you do? Do you lay down the law and say, we ain't leaving? We don't leave games early. We just don't. It just doesn't happen. So he's just like, okay, well, you know, I hope the Yankees win. Hurry up. Like, <laughs> extra innings, mentally, he's out. So, you know, I'm talking about my son. Uh, but... You know, other than that, he'll be there. He'll be a trooper with me, but he's not, like, too happy about it. Like, he'll start, like, moaning and groaning. That's why, like, as a father like uh, you are and I am with two young kids, (laughs) the pitch clock is pretty cool. We like it from that that aspect. (laughs) Now, as far as the Yankees are concerned, I was worrying about this yesterday. So, the Mets have a really boring spring training. I know Ronnie Mauricio's off to a good start, and Brett Beatty's trying to win the third base job. But the truth is, it's very unlikely that the Mets are going to have any job changes from spring training. The Yankees supposedly have a battle for shortstop, a battle for left field, and a battle for the fifth starter spot. But I have noticed from my Yankee fan friends that there's a skepticism that any of these battles are real, that IKF is really going to be the shortstop to shut your mouth, everybody, that Aaron Hicks is going to be the left field to shut your mouth, everybody. No matter what you actually want, they already know what you're going to get. I'm on that boat, too, and I'm, it kind of pisses me off. I hope we're wrong, and there's an actual... Because don't tell Volpe, in November, you got a chance to win the shortstop spot. And then come spring training, he's hitting it all. Ball. I mean, he's right now in that competition, if you're really looking at it. And we're a week into spring training, right? Early so on, sure, really sure. yeah. He's killing it right now. Defensively, offensively, you know, he's doing everything that he's asked to do. And if he continues on this track... And he doesn't win, then it's like funny business, you know. I think I personally think Peraza is going to win because you don't just start somebody, and I want him to win because I think he's a really good defender as well as a bat. But you don't just start somebody in your most important games of your season last year, only to not start him in your season the next year. That doesn't make sense to me. So no, I. But that's why, like, I think. Let's start with shortstop, and we'll look at left field, because I think there's an easy solution to left field if yeah. the Yankees just want to do it. But at shortstop, to me, Peraza's going to get the job. Yeah. Like, if he has a halfway decent spring, and the sample size is very small right now, so obviously we've got many more plate appearances, at-bats, innings, to see what happens. Peraza's the guy. I think IKF just eventually becomes a super utility player, and that's all right. He could play third. He could play short. He could play the outfield. Maybe they'll go back to three years ago and stick his ass behind the plate. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> like, why the hell not? Want to make yourself useful, IKF? Yes, yes. Go catch for a few innings. I like that. Of course. Listen, man, I have some ideas. But I know that there's a skepticism, and I think it's a lack of trust 
with this general manager and this manager that they are just going to force the guys they want to have out there. That no matter what you want, Aaron Hicks is going to play left field. No matter what you want, IKF's going to get another shot at shortstop. No matter what you want, Josh Donaldson's getting 500 plate appearances. And I understand and respect that lack of trust you guys have, but I'm skeptical. I honestly think they're going to go with who wins these jobs. Like, I don't think IKF is going to be forced down your throat this year. I really don't. I hope not. I have that feeling as well. I kind of, I think it's time for the kids. You can't have it both ways where you say, um, I want the kids to come up and develop my kids, and then you don't play them. So it's like, you know, let's let's go ahead and play the kids. I want the Yankees to be a little bit more brave-like. I, You know, I said it you know, on a podcast. I said, be a little bit more brave like the Braves. Play your You're kids. You're spot on. You're spot on. Play your kids. Yes. Like, yes. What, what are you going to do? Like, all you're going to do is just, you put them down there. If anything, it's going to make them feel like, I don't know what I need to do to get up there. You know, I'm being blocked by IKF. That doesn't even make sense. And you know, here's a, to me the main reason. And I, I'm still very excited for this regular season. I know you are very excited for this regular season. But we do live in a world in which it's a 162 game kind of journey to the inevitable postseason. That's what you guys are proving, the Mm -hmm. Yankees. That's what the Mets are hoping to prove, that it's 162. I don't want to say exhibition games. I think that's too strong. 162 warm-ups, if you will. It's 162 one-game seasons for me. (laughs) So I'm like, every game, people are like, Joe, it's not the playoffs. I'm like, it's a playoff for me today. I need need to win today. By the way, I get why in the moment you feel that way. Because when I sit down and you invest in the old days before the pitch clock, three and a half hours to watch a baseball game. I want to win. Yeah. Like so I'm I'm not even disagreeing with you that in the moment I feel that way too. Like I get really excited after wins, I get really down after losses. Yeah. But when you could take a step back, especially after your team embarrassed itself in the ALCS last year, and my team, look, I'm saying it, it embarrassed itself in the wild card series, you realize that those games in April and May and June, they're just a warm up. Yeah. That's all they are. But that's more of a reason, Joe's, why the kids should play. Yeah. Because as I Let's say Isaiah Conor-Falef is your starting shortstop on opening day. Does anybody in their right mind think that come October 5th, his ass is in the lineup at shortstop for the Yankees? There's no way. He wasn't there October 5th, like, like 2022, so I, I don't think that. No. Plus, he stinks. So, we all yeah. know that. So even if you give him the job right out of the gate, you know he's not keeping the job. So why not use April, May, and June? And I think the brave analogy is spot on because I saw it firsthand last year. They called up Michael Harris from Double A. Double A. Double A. They called up Vaughn Grissom, and they let those kids play. And then, obviously, they were a big part of their success in winning the division a year ago. And then they'll sign those kids up at an early age, and then they'll get out of arbitration, and they have good relationships with their players, and it's – I'm not going to sit here and wax poetic about the Braves, but I just like what they're doing, building their team. So, look, we, let's see I, that. it's a respect and an appreciation. I can't stand the Atlanta Braves, but I respect what they did. And I think your point about the way they called up their younger players last year is what exactly the Mets and Yankees should do, because that's the one the one question both fan bases have going into the start of this season. I mean, there's other questions, but the main thing on our mind is how can these young players impact the team? Now, left field to me is so different. I think mm-hmm. this is really simple. Like, I feel like I'm splitting the atom here. Tell Giancarlo Stanton you're playing the outfield 130 times this year. Because if Stanton's in right, Judge is in left, and Bader is in center, I just solved your left field problem. You don't have to worry about Aaron Hicks. You know, Oswaldo's a good, like, super utility yeah. guy, too. So he'll play. He's just going to play, you know, kind of a Ben Zobers role. 
Isn't that like the easiest way to solve left field? Yes. I think Giancarlo is on our team saying that. I think the Yankees are saying no way. Um, I don't know. The man's an athlete. Let him be an athlete. Let him play let, let him play right field. Put Judge in left field, who's another athlete. He can do it. If he played center, he can play left. Oh, so yes. It, it's fine. You can be able to do that. Later on, tighten up the defense, and then if you want to take out Giancarlo and put Hicks in left field and move Judge to right, you can do that. I know it feels like a lot of moving pieces, and it it's it's been a little annoying um, the last couple of years where the Yankees have been moving everybody, it feels like, out of positions. You play shortstop? <laughs> play third base. Yeah. You play third base? Let's put you in the outfield. And it's like, let's figure it out that way. But um, I just think that that's like an easy... It's easy, remedy, and, and, and you know, I, just remedy that. I get the concern is you got to keep him healthy. We all agree with that. But is there any proof that him playing the outfield is why he gets hurt all the time? I mean, is that is that really why he's had a tough time staying healthy in his time here? Because I, I don't know if that's the reason. I mean, if you speak to Giancarlo, he feels that he gets hurt because he's not playing the field, right? And he feels like he needs to get warm because he's not actively in the game. So. I, I don't know. I'd probably we need to speak to some doctors about that. <laughs> Many doctors have been hired by the Yankees, so I would like to find out through one of them. My my evidence would be when he was in Miami, there was no DH. That was long before you forced the DH role on me. And I say you because you're an American League fan. All I'm you American, American League, League fans are the same. You forced your rule on me. So now I have no choice. I have a DH. It is what it is. Sometimes you got to force the, the, the vegetables down your children's throat, too. You know? Like they that, have is, to, you got to give them good things, too. Is that what you're doing as a father? Are you taking broccoli and shoving it down your kids? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what you do in the McFly yeah, house? Right. We got to get it out there, you know? Trust me. You know what I do, by the way? And you tell me how you handle this. <laughs> I bribe them. Mm. I say, if you have this piece of broccoli... I'm going to give you a brand new Cody Rhodes figure. That he's a wrestler, by the okay, way. Okay, okay. Are you familiar with that? Yes. You know, know Cody Rhodes. Yes, Cody okay. Rhodes. I, I or another Rhodes. Uh, <laughs> his so, father was kind father, of famous. Father uh, Goldust. So. so yeah, uh, no, his brother was Goldust. His, brother was Goldust, his father was Dusty, yes. but close yes. enough. Yeah, I bribed them to eat the broccoli, <laughs> okay. and you just say, it's, "Here you no. go." <laughs> Not like that. That physical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but trying to make sure it gets on their plate at least. No, right? I understand. Sure. And the biggest hypocritical point of the broccoli thing, and I feel horrible about this, is that I don't eat broccoli. Mm. I hate broccoli. Every time my wife puts broccoli on my plate and says, "Hun, you have to be a good example," I'll eat like a tiny piece of the broccoli, and then the look on my face is as if I just ate poison. Like, it's the most disgusting thing in the world. And then I chase it with whatever else is on my plate. So if I'm eating chicken, I chase it with chicken. Then I down like a water. Mm. So my sons look at dad and they say, wait a second. He hates broccoli. What are we doing? And my answer is, but you're getting Cody Rhodes. All right? Yeah. That's why it's I, I don't even blame you. I found, actually just found out broccoli is not even real. It's actually man-made. What? <laughs> Excuse me? I found that out. I've been shoving broccoli down my own throat, and it's not even like a real plant. I found that out. It's like a yeah, I, I heard something about that. Yeah. That yeah. it's like you you never see just broccoli growing anywhere. Yes. It's <laughs> like there's real. no wild broccoli. What? It's yeah. like made, like scientifically made. So why is that the go-to vegetable that we're all supposed to eat to be healthy? Where the heck did that come from? Asparagus. Go with asparagus. Asparagus is terrible, too, by the Let's way. try it. What I've tried to do with eating vegetables is I back in the day when I was single, I would cook it and put all kinds of spices on it, oil on it, peanut butter on it, jelly on peanut it, butter? chocolate on it, like anything you could find 
to try to drown out the horror that is brought uh, of asparagus. Didn't work that well. I tried, though. I love asparagus. I love asparagus, too. Do you really? What yeah. a good steak. Do yeah. your kids love asparagus? I don't think so, not that much. I'm still trying to figure out the man-made broccoli. <laughs> so just trying to figure that out. Yeah, it is. It's man-made. Man-made. Yeah. It's a it's... combination of cabbage and something else. Like, it's, yeah, it was put together. Yeah, this is going to be my new excuse while I'm not eating it tonight yeah. at dinner. I don't eat stuff that's man-made like that. Good. We'll get to your calls, 877-337-6666. Daniel Jones may actually get what everybody laughed at. Why it's possible Daniel Jones may actually make $40 million a year. Plus, we have an update. I'm so happy to report an update that I've been waiting for for 23 years. And I'm glad you're here, Joe, to discuss it. We have a Roger Clemens, Mike Piazza update. (laughs) We got an update. I've been obsessed with this for 23 years. And what if I told you that Roger Clemens was finally asked about throwing the bat at Innocent Mike Piazza. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Carton and Roberts on the fan. WFAN, WFAN-FM, and WFAN.com. And I think you're right, Joe, is that Peraza's the Yankee opening day shortstop. That would be the sixth different opening day shortstop since Derek Jeter retired. Six different guys. How many of them can you name right now? Um, well, Didi. Didi is one. Didi did it a couple of times, too, by the way. Yeah. I think he did um, it three times. Didi, Didi won. Glaber. Glaber did it twice, too. IKF. IKF. Um, You're missing two guys, and trust me, I totally get if you don't get them. Because they suck. Um, well, hmm. no, in fairness, one guy doesn't suck necessarily, but they didn't exactly have long, illustrious Yankee careers. Right. Okay. So then this would be this would be after 
Didi, unless Didi was hurt to start the season. Would Brendan Ryan be there? That's a very good guess. You talk about an underrated guy. It's not him. Not him. One guy used to be an all-star, just not with the Yankees. It's a good good little hint. Used to be an all-star. He was a tremendous player. Met fans hate him because all he would do is hit home runs at City Field. I know that doesn't help, but <laughs> trust me. It um, me. Hmm. He got he got hurt early in the season. Very good. He got hurt early in the season. So you know who I'm talking about? I do. Yes, that's. I can't think of the other one. I know that one. All right, so give the other. Give this one the one that you know. Troy Tulowitz. Troy Tulowitz. Tulo, Tulo, yeah, Tulo. yeah. That's. <laughs> it's funny with Tulowitzki. We had an over under episode with Talking Yanks that we do every year, and I think that year I said, "Yeah, he's going to play over sixty games." He did not. <laughs> <laughs> the answer, by the way, to how many games he played that year was five. Five. Yes. Troy Tulowitzki played five games as a Tulo. New York Yankee, was the opening day shortstop, and hit a home run, which means John Sterling Short porch. made a Troy Tulowitzki home run call, which I have no idea what it was. Like, I mean, Hopefully he came up with a nickname. <laughs> and the other guy, by the way, uh, a poor man's Jose Altuve, the great Ronald Torres. Ah, okay. How about that? I Ronald Torres get opening day. Yeah, I, I, there must like, like Somebody, you said there must have been, been an injury. Didi must have been. Yeah, it must have been a Didi injury. So if IKF yeah. is not the opening day shorts, I, mean, I don't think he is. I stand by Peraza is going to win this job. You're looking at another name on that list since Derek Jeter retired. It's not easy to replace a legend, man. Yeah, I mean it's. I feel like it's kind of been like that, even in third base, for the Yanks. Like they haven't had like a steady third baseman since. I want to say A-Rod, feels like. A-Rod was the guy, yeah. yeah. You know, so it's it's hard to find those cornerstone guys. Yeah, I'm looking at the third base list. Jason Nix, Kelly Johnson, Chase Headley, Brandon Drury, Miguel Andujar, Gio Urshela, Josh Donaldson, and there was the Cody Ransom year. Can't forget the Cody Ransom year. I mean, who can? (laughs) We all love the Cody (laughs) Ransom year. Uh, Let's kick it off with Nico and Easton. What's up, Nico? Yeah, hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I just want to talk a little bit about the pitch clock you were talking about earlier and the Max Scherzer double play issue. Yes. So I think the MLB can really go one of two ways um, with trying to fix that those problems happening in games. And I think one way would be to make it more of a discretion call where it's less of a hard stop right at the time and um, more of like a maybe like a three-second violation in the NBA where it's kind of just like in your head. Um, but I think the better option would be to kind of give the umps a way to call the play dead so that the fans don't get that what if, more like the NFL where you have the refs running in, uh, whistling that play dead before it happens, and then you don't have a touchdown that gets called back and angry fans. So you know what's, so you know what's funny about that? The, the home plate umpire in this situation tried to do that. Right. Like as the clock hit zero, he put his hands up to say, hey – violation pitches dead, didn't stop the hitter from staying in the box and swinging. And I don't think he ran. Like, he hit the ball, and it turned to double play, but the base runner never ran. So they sort of did that, which is very similar to the NFL, where the play may still get off, yeah. but you see the officials, like, running around, chickens without their heads, saying, ah, play is dead, play is dead. It's a little rough to do that in baseball. And, you know, because, I mean, the ball gets hit at you. If you're running around all over the place, it's like you don't you don't want to get hit by that. I think I saw the umpire kind of look down, kind of, kind of like looking at the zone, which is weird to me when I was looking at that double play. So he ruled it off and then still, still looked. looked at the strike zone, which yeah. is weird. Yeah. Like, you, okay. But um, 
I don't think that I think you have to be if you're doing it early to force people to do it, you're gonna have to be real strict with the time to get people used to it. You can't have it be a discretion call, say, because then one umpire calls it another way, another it's too much confusion. Um, and I'm glad that they're doing the penalty of the ball and strike thing because before, if you remember, MLB tried to do the fines. Yes. And then Ortiz said, I guess I'm just going to get fined every game. Right, because he said, I'm going to take my time. The fines aren't that much money. I'm a millionaire. Right. Fine me. Yeah, so in my case, you got to be strict with it. In the beginning, I think we'll see it lax a little bit more, and we won't even notice it come like the middle of the season, in my opinion. Well, in this situation, and I completely agree with you. It, it hits zero. It's a pitch clock violation. I'm right. sorry. All right, there's a there's a clock. It hits zero. It's a violation. Max Scherzer had the ball on the mound, ready to go at the eight second mark. He was ready. The problem was he's getting cute. Yeah. And and, and, and if this works during the regular season, his little cuteness, his little cat and mouse game with the hitters. God bless him. But right now, Mister Big Talking Max Scherzer. Who says, "Oh, I'm going to play with the hitters. I love it. I can't wait. This is this is fantastic." And of course, every Met fan eats whatever Max Scherzer says out of their hands. They forget that a you know what in the bed during the playoffs last year. We we just forget that. Like that didn't happen. Like his ass wasn't booed off the mound at City Field last year. Like that. Oh, that didn't happen. No, it did. And I'm not. I don't have any ill will towards Max. I'm just being honest. I'm calling him out. Like if you want to play a little cute cat and mouse game, mm-hmm. then don't f up. Because quite frankly, when the clock hit zero, Joe's, he didn't pitch. Yes. So it's on him. Yeah. I like that. Evan holding his own team to the fire. Well, Let's listen, go. Listen, man, you do That's the same right. crap, don't yes, you? Yes, I, I, I definitely do. I've heard some of the names you've called Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even know that was a real thing when you called Brian Cashman that one day. Uh, never personal. <laughs> no, <I'm> just, <laughs> Andrew is in Brooklyn. What's up, Andrew? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. I, I didn't want to talk about the pitch clock, but after what he said, you can only get one timeout, correct? The, yes. The batter in yes. the box? Yes. Well, how come, you know, like, I used to play baseball. I used to hold my hand up for the, for the umpire before, you know, so I could dig in. He has to be in the box by eight seconds. So why can't the batter, you know, hold full time until eight seconds, you know, until, 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 until he's comfortable? Not that he has to be rushed by the pitcher. So, by, by the way, by the way, just to, to interrupt you on this. So, a batter did that today to Max, where he put his foot in the box, held up his hand, but he was ready all the way until the eight-second mark. Then at eight seconds, he stepped in the box, and then Max played his little stupid game yeah. of waiting for the clock to hit zero before he commits a violation. But now, can he only do that one time, or can he do that every pitch? Well, no, no, he can do that every time. You just have to be set by eight seconds. You're allowed one time out per at-bat. So oh, once okay, you use that timeout, the pitcher okay. now feels like he's got all the control over you, knowing he can wait the full eight seconds once you're in the box. So it's like a new baseball cat and mouse game. It's a funny yeah, business. Yeah, I, now I get it, but that that makes it a little more like the the batter can be. I don't like the batters really being rushed when I watched the first few games. I didn't see anybody really do that. Right. But anyway, let me get to what I what I called for. Um, uh, the kids, uh, Peraza, Volpe. And uh, Cabrera, I mean, just the way the Yankees operate for the past, I'm 40 years old, for the past 30 years, they don't bring guys up. Jeter, the only guy I can remember, and they, and oddly they brought up uh, uh, Torres. That was the only two guys I could think of they ever brought up before their time, for their projected time was. So they just make these guys go through the through, through the system. That's just how they operate. It's kind of it's kind of scummy because you can bring this kid up at 20, you bring him up at 24, 23, so that way they can own the rights to him until he's about 30. Mm-hmm. They did it with Judge. I, I, 
Let me let me throw this at you, because I remember this firsthand. I was here at WFA, and it was my rookie year here. So it was 2007. And the Boston Red Sox had this young kid that they had make the team right out of spring training. And he was a prospect. And he stunk. He stunk for two months. I'd say like a month and a half. Yeah. And then eventually that young kid got hot and, you know, blossomed, became a star. His name was Dustin Pedroia. Yeah. And what I remember about that, and the reason I bring this up, here's the reason my comparison I'm going with, is I wondered as Dustin was struggling in April how we in New York would have handled that. How would we treat the media, the fans, the young super prospect really struggling right out of the gate? Because you haven't had that. Aaron Judge, and forget a couple of weeks in 2016, Aaron Judge had a historical rookie season. Gary Sanchez burst onto the scene in 2016. For years with Glaber Torres, all I heard was, I can't believe he's 22. I can't yeah. believe he's 23. Like, you had first love impressions with a lot of your prospects. So the question I have, and maybe this is why the Yankees do this, I'm just asking, is that they're worried if a young player comes up here and struggles, what are they going to hear from fans and media? You know what? Our, you know, I will say this. Yankee fans will always give the benefit of the doubt and have a longer leash with their own kids. So, like, it, it would take a long, like, Judge struck out in 2016. It wasn't a, a small, you know, it was a significant sample size. He struck out, like, 50% of the time. It was it was, it was was pretty bad. Okay, but, but hold on. Can I, let me just counter that real quick. Okay. The Yankees gave up that season. The they Yankees did. were calling guys up. They traded away Chapman. They traded away Andrew Miller. So, to your point, he was absolutely yes. bad. I'm not denying that. It was no pressure. The team had given up. Right. That's a good point. Thank you. Um, I make some occasionally. And I feel like <laughs> Yankee fans will give like a longer leash. Um, however, when they harp on a, sp- a particular like uh, subject about a player, then it kind of stays with them like a stigma. Like Gary Sanchez, for a while, it, you know, the pass ball thing, he, he would sometimes go a long time without having one. And then when he finally has one, it's like, oh, a pass ball, you see, it's... Kind of like you would kill him there, but it just it, it feels like there's a, like a longer leash when it comes to kids. I think that the Yanks. The only thing always... I'll ask you though, hold on, let me ask you something specifically with whom though, because to the Yankees' credit, a lot of the quote unquote kids they've called up, yeah, like I mentioned, had great success right at the gate, yeah. And my judge example is that no one cared in 2016; they okay. were able to escape that. I agree though that for 27 games, he struck out a million times, but. Where's the example of the young prospect who got called up and was bad right out of the gate for a few months? Who did it happen with? And if I'm forgetting somebody, absolutely call me out, but who am I forgetting? Kind of thinking about who would have struggled for that long. Um, Nobody. I'm no, not, not out of the gate. Not, Nobody. Right. Not out of the gate. Who's your Dustin Pedroia is my question. The Red Sox had a guy who for a month and a half was hitting 170. You guys can look this up. I'm not making it up. And I remember at the time thinking, hey, boy, what would we do? What would we do in Queens? What would we do at Yankee Stadium? How would we respond to this kid? And I, and quite frankly, I don't remember what the Red Sox fans did. They probably booed him. They probably said a lot of stupid things because they're Bostonites. I get that. But he was able to fight through it, became a star. So if Anthony Volpe makes this team, I'm going to use him. He okay. makes the team. And the reason I'm using him is because you guys love to compare him to Jeter. He's the next Derek Jeter. Okay. All right. If he makes it out of spring training, yes. Great. You would, you would have to do that. What if he's hitting 175 and it's May 5th? What are you doing at Yankee Stadium? With the bleacher creatures. Now, you're, you're cheering him every time. You're like, oh, good, good job, kid. 
You know what? Great. I, what are you doing? You know what I'm thinking? Go ahead. Who am I replacing him with, and what are they going to do? So if I put IKF there, is he going to defend better than IKF? I think I'm like, it got to a point last year with IKF where I said, I just want the defense. I said, Peraza could come up here and hit zero. I don't care. I want to see what the possibility of him is more exciting than what I'm seeing with IKF. I, no, I get that, but what if Volpe's defense is average? He's a rookie. He's getting used to the major leagues. Like, I'm questioning not just you. Yes. I'm questioning all of you. Okay. What the hell is your patience going to be like? Because I'm trying to rack my brain. Think of an example where you can throw it at me and say, hey, Evan, we were patient with blah, blah, blah. Who the heck were you patient with that struggled right out the gate? Because I don't know if you've experienced it yet. Now, that doesn't mean you're 100% mm. going to fail, but I'm just saying I haven't seen where you were even given the chance. I think I think what uh, what happens is that the, maybe the Yankees just know when they're probably ready, uh, and then they'll just come up at that time. But the Yankees don't really bring up their prospects like that. And let's be honest, we haven't really had some crazy good prospects. I mean, Andujar was pretty good when he came up in his rookie season and succeeded. Yes, could have won rookie of the year, right? Um, so people are kind of ready when they come up. Um, but maybe that's the reason why. Right. Maybe the Yankees, more than a lot of other teams around baseball, say we need them to be more ready than others because if they struggle, we're not sure. And it's not. I'm not really trying to rip you guys as yeah. Yankee fans. You have high expectations. Like I think the Met fan is becoming that right now. You got high expectations. If Anthony Volpe is your starting shortstop, and I want every Yankee fan to ask them ask themselves this question: He's at 175, and his defense is average. That's that's your world, and it's May 5th. What are you doing? Are you booing his ass when he gets announced up? Are you cutting videos on social media saying, bleep Volpe, bleep him, bleep him to hell? <laughs> you tell me. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't do I think when it's a rookie kid, I wouldn't, like, kill him like that. I feel like when there's people that I feel like they should know better with certain things and they do boneheaded plays, then I kind of lose it. But I expect growing pains, especially with – you have to. Because you can't beg for kids, and then when they struggle, we just want to just just ship them out of there right away. I just I that, at least for me, I can't speak for every single Yankee fan, but I'd rather just you know, I take my time, you know, with right. certain players. I'm holding you to it because if I see you cut that video promo on May 17th, basically cursing Volpe out. May is early. <laughs> May is early. Is it though? Yes. When every game is like a playoff game, May ain't early. Yeah. That's like 40 games in the playoff series. One game seasons. <laughs> 162 of them. Let's go to Eric on Staten Island. What's up, Eric? Hey, what's going on, Evan? Hey, Joe. What's up? How you doing? I'm all right. Uh, like you, Evan, I'm a baseball traditionalist. Like you, Evan, I'm around your age. I'm 38. All right. But unlike unlike you, Evan, I hate it. I hate the pitch clock. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> to me, it, it feels like gimmicky baseball. That's what it's going to turn into. Uh, that Wandy Peralta batted bat, that, that, that's not baseball, okay? That's not baseball. Why? Max Scherzer doing... Well, yeah, why not? Why not? Let, let me tell you why. Let, let me tell you why. Let, okay, me, tell you why. I, I, let me cook a little bit. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you would agree that, that the hardest thing in professional sports is to hit a baseball, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. There's a process involved. That process is gone now. So after each pitch at this level, these guys are thinking, okay, he threw me a fastball in, blah, 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 blah. That's gone now. So the whole game is turned into analytics, and now you're throwing it away because there's not enough time. How come, how come every hitter in the history of baseball until 15 years ago didn't need 30 seconds in between pitches? Because they didn't have 
It has nothing so to do with that. analytics. Oh, so you're no, saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, I apologize. I'm a, I, maybe I misinterpreted you, so I, I want to th- say what I think now you're trying to say. Because okay. there's so much information in baseball, which there is, that's why the batters need more time in between pitches? Is that the point? That's part of the point. That's part of the point. But the point is, it's turning into a gimmick. You see what Church is doing already. It's turning into gimmick it, baseball. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a gimmick. Like Max Scherzer can wait until the clock hits one. All right, then the batter doesn't use his timeout early in the at bat, and it's just not a big deal. Right. Like it, it, right now, we're seeing the adjustment period where the pitchers are learning and the batters are learning. I don't think in the middle of May it's that gimmicky. What they're telling you is what they should have said 10 years ago, which is it's gotten out of hand how much time there is between at-bats, and we need to do something to police it. I don't think the gimmicks are going to be that big of a problem. So leave it leave it up to the discretion of the umpires, like one of the other past calls said, and when you have a, a human rain delay like Steve Trassel, you give him one no. warning, and no. then if they keep doing it, no. I'll tell you why, respectfully, respectfully why this is a horrible idea on your part, Eric. Because now you're trusting Angel Hernandez. You're saying, Angel Hernandez, I want you to decide if that's a violation or not. Can you imagine that, Joe? People would freak out. Yeah, I don't want... He's already calling people out at the wrong basis. (laughs) I don't want him... Like, give him a uniform law that he needs to follow. Okay? And I just... You have to be strict with it because that's the only way people are going to take... Take it serious. If you if you start being lax with it, then people are going to try to take advantage, and nobody's going to really get adjusted. To get people adjusted, you got to you have to do it like this. And spring training is here for this. Yeah, you know, Max Scherzer screwed up today. I think he'd be the first one to admit it. Hopefully, that screw up on March third makes sure it never happens in the middle of April, May, June, or where it really matters, October. And the same thing with the batter. So I think the process we're going through right now, especially first few turns through the rotation, is you're learning about it. Like, I'll give you a great example about that Wandy thing from yesterday because mm-hmm. our caller seemed to not like it. Maybe the batter shouldn't get in the box until there's eight seconds left. Because what was going on in that Wandy at bat, that kid just kept going right back in the box as if he was whatever. Yeah, he's ready to go, so I'm ready to go. So let's go. <laughs> and, and, and if you're ready to go, God bless you. But if it's too fast for you, you still have those seven seconds to say, all right, deep breath. I don't have to rush my way in there. Right. Especially if there's a runner on base. If there isn't a runner on base, then it's like 15 seconds sometimes could creep up on you just a little bit because it's right there. Sure. But I, I think it's something to get used to. These are athletes. They can do it. They can do it. By the way, I got a text of two examples, one of which I don't agree with, one I would agree with, of a young player who came up here pennant race and struggled. The first example I really don't agree with is Luis Severino, only because when he came up in 15, he was brilliant, and then he struggled a lot in 2016, mm-hmm. and that was the year where you know, they basically gave up. Right. But he did struggle, I acknowledge that. And then in 2017, he blossomed into a superstar, blossomed into the ace of that team. The other guy that, you know what, I got to admit, is Greg Bird. You guys loved yourself some Greg Bird. Did he struggle yeah. right away, though? I was thinking about him, but I don't know yeah, if he I was struggled. thinking about Bird, but I was... In 15, I, he was one of their best hitters. He, right, was, he, he, was. Was, he got the only hit, I think, against Keuchel in the, in the wild card so, game. Well, one of the only two hits. So here's the caveat to that. You're absolutely right. When he got called up in 2015, he was fine. It was 2017 
where he really, really struggled. Yeah. So it wasn't a right away yeah, thing, no. but he was still like early on in his career. And I, I, you tell me, guys, was he being booed at Yankee Stadium during that regular season? Um, I mean, he would get booed, but it, it's not like like everybody wanted him to get out of it. Kind of boo. It's like uh. Oh, when it's Derek a nice Jeter, boo. It's a we no, love him. Nice <laughs> but like you know when Derek Jeter got booed for not hitting for not doing for not hitting the record, and he was struggling trying to get up to that uh the Lou Lou Gehrig's record. Right. And he got booed at Yankee Stadium. If you remember that. I remember G the only boos I really remember with Jeter is during that massive slump he had. I think it was oh three or oh four. Yeah. I forget the year because I watched him break out of it in Baltimore that year when I was mm-hmm. living down there. So it was either oh three or oh four. Other than that slump, I don't remember Jeter getting a lot of boos. He got booed. So, so there are nice boos and there are mean boos. Is that what you're trying to tell me? There's some boos that are un, there's fair boos. Right. When you're getting boo, I don't boo my players. I've never done that. I'm with you. I don't even. Right? I've never done that. But I'm saying there are fair boos where it's like, okay, you're struggling. Let's get it going. Mm-hmm. And then there's unfair boos. Like Giancarlo was getting booed, and he was. It's like, why is he getting booed? He. This is his first week as a Yankee. Opening what are you guys, day. First game. What are you guys doing? First game he got booed for four yeah, strikeouts. And people tell you, well, it was cold outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was rainy know. and cold. So by, the way, by the way, I was one of those people who said that. Now, let, let me clarify. First of all, it wasn't his first game as a Yankee. They had played on the road trip. First home so game. It was his first home game. I was I, at They're Yankee. not going to boo from Toronto. I understand. Yeah. And I think he had, like, some hits on the road. He too. homer. Yeah. He had, his, his first, first game, game ever, he had two home runs against two, Toronto. Two home runs. Right. I was at that Weird. opening day, Joe. It was very, very cold. It was very, very, very cold. And I th- and it was a very long game. It was in the days before the pitch clock. And I think that by <laughs> the time, like, the seventh and eighth inning rolled around, you're very cold, you're very drunk, you're very tired, you're very angry. They're like you. They take every game very seriously. <laughs> and when Giancarlo struck out for, like, the fourth time, I think a lot of that was drunk booze. Yeah. Now, yeah. Sometimes you do things when you're drunk and you, you kind of regret it the next day. Harmless stuff, by yeah. the way, I'm talking about. Eh, it's like, eh, boot them. You see, so there are different tiers yeah. of booze. We've <laughs> established many different categories different of tiers. booze. Many different tiers of drunk booze. Drunk booze, happy yeah. booze. <laughs> the drunk boo is very, very different. Uh, Kevin is in West Islip. What's up, Kevin? Hey, Evan, how you doing? Are you okay? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Did, did Max, look, Max look at you cross-eyed or something? No, it is. My, my did, he, did he break your number two pencil? Let me ask you something as a method. Why do we continue to kiss this guy's ass when all he did in the postseason is choke? Can you explain that Nobody, one to me? Nobody's, nobody's kissing his ass. Oh, give me a break. Everything he says is the most brilliant thing ever. He's the anti-degrom. I love him. Yeah, okay. something in spring training. Okay. That's great. You sound so angry about it. Are you okay? You need therapy? Here's my anger about him, because you're right. I think you've tapped on something, and maybe I do. I need sports therapy. I really have nothing against Max Scherz. I want to make that absolutely clear. I want him to be great. I'm a Met fan. I don't love the fact that since the moment he got here, basically everybody kisses his ass no matter what he says or does. Mm. And, Max, if you're listening, you've done nothing wrong other than choking the playoffs, okay? Other than that, which he knows he did wrong, you weren't even saying anything wrong. It's the way people react to, oh, did you hear what he said about the opt-out? Oh, he's like... I'm not even thinking about it. That's my guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, DeGrom and Manny Machado are evil. Can you believe those guys? They said they'd opt out. How dare they? How dare they? <laughs> so it's stuff like that. It's not what Max does. It's the way people talk about him as if he's Mr. Perfect. And here's the truth. Max Scherzer, because we're the Yankees now, bro. We're like, yeah. a lot, we're, we're like the Yankees, not with winning, but in terms of expectations. Oh, you spend money, and you spend money. We spend money. 
and you better perform when it matters. And the New York Mets played six playoff games last year, in my opinion. The three games against Atlanta, and then obviously the three wild card games. And I saw Max come up small. And if Garrett Cole comes up small, we all know what you guys are saying. I mean, people kill Garrett Cole for Fenway Park. Well, he stinks All the time. Well, he does. He does. (laughs) It's fair. Okay? But it's... he. What does Cole Cole has all of the all of the one liners though? He has all the one liners. Yeah. Uh, you were thinking uh, he has one liners that I I think that he he pre plans. Oh yeah, I think he's a pre planner for sure. Pre plan, like I agree. you know the two it's two stags going. I'm like, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's baseball. It's fine, but yeah, I get I get what how you feel with with uh, with Max Scherzer. Um, you just want him to show up. I think. I think having somebody around like a Verlander would be great. Is great. Yeah. Um, you, you that's know, a guy that just gets to work. You, you know what it is? I'm not going to sit here after every max start and say it doesn't matter till October because I think that's unfair. Okay. I do. I just like it's. I was talking to a Ranger fan recently. Actually, it was Beningo a couple of Saturdays ago. And after a Ranger win, he said, ah, we got to go on a Stanley Cup run. I was like, well, I agree with you, but enjoy the regular season. Like, you can't go on a Stanley Cup playoff run in February. You have to wait until April or May. So enjoy that the Rangers won a game last night. They didn't last night. They lost in Patrick Kane's debut. How embarrassing. But anyhow, Max Scherzer pitches great in May. I'm going to still be, like, pumped about it. So I'm not going to remind everybody about his October struggles, but he's going to be defined by October. His legacy here will be defined by that. Just like Garrett Cole's legacy with the Yankees is going to be defined by that. And guess what? Even Aaron Judge, you know, he didn't have a good postseason last year. And as great as his regular season was, we should take nothing away from him. Yeah. But we do live in a world in which it's had you do in October, as unfair as that may be. And trust me, I know it's unfair. No, it's fair. They're no. getting paid like it. I get it. All, all of those names that you just named are getting paid like it. So, you know, you don't pay Max Scherzer that kind of money unless you expect to win a World Series with him. That's fine. Same thing with Judge and same thing with uh, with Garrett Cole. Those guys had to be the catalyst. And it's why you need to win in their window. And you need to, you know, I, I don't blame the Mets. Go ahead. Keep spending. And they try to go for Correa. It, to me, it's a blessing in disguise that they did, uh, did not get him. Every doctor in the world is telling you not to get him. So it's fine. But the fact that you're trying, to me, is already it, it's already the, where the energy is supposed to be. So... If the team is putting forth that energy, then I expect the players that are getting paid to go ahead and go ahead and win me the ring, or win me a ring. I'm trying to figure you out, so I want you to be very honest here. Go ahead. You hate the Mets? I don't hate the. I'm indifferent about the Mets. Now nah, that pause means you hate them, and that's fine. It means I'm in. I don't hate them. I'm nah. indifferent about them. Which, if anything, it feels more dismissive to some people, and they don't like that. <laughs> I think that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, you know, I rather reserve my hate for the people in the division. And it's, you know, when, when I have Met fans come to me, try to, like, egg me on, I'm like, worry about your Braves, man. Like, we don't have Brave problems. Like, we need to deal with the Astros, yes. But they're not in our division. But I'm not I'm you not going to, you know, worry about the Mets the, for what. The, and you're right. The true test of disliking the other team, and I'm going to give you a great example of this, okay? Because to me it's easy but Thomas Lugauer, who you've met, nice guy, yes. he hates the Yankees. I mean, just irrational hate. Now, watch this. This is going to prove it. Uh, when the New York um, Yankees 
play the Atlanta Braves this season in the regular season, who are you Braves. rooting for? I mean, how how ridiculous. You're out. No and, way! And let me clarify. I don't hate the Yankees. I have nothing against the Yankees. I have nothing against their players. I hate their fans. I like Joe's. Nice guy. I like Keith. Nice guy. But I hate their fans. Big Mac? Big, Big Mac is the worst. Right he is the I'm most dismissive, right arrogant, worst Yankee fan that you can find. Dismissive. That's what I don't like. Now, Joe's, here's the thing. Because people will say, oh, Evan, you don't like the Yankees. Here's my proof on this. And you guys have the audio from last year. When... The Yankees played, I think it was the Phillies. I don't think it was the Braves. Or maybe it was the Braves. I don't remember. I proclaimed on the radio, Mets fans for Yankees. Like, I was Mm. all in because help me out. Like, help help me out, man. I'm just looking for help here. And so it's what team do you put first? Now, I'm going to give you another great example. I'm a Mets fan for Yankees. So here's proof. Tonight, the New York Knicks play the Miami Heat. okay? Okay. I'm a big Nets fan. Mm-hmm. The Knicks have passed the Nets. The Heat are up my, you know, they're, they're catching me. From a standings perspective, if I believe the Knicks are that good and they're pretty good, I should root for the Knicks, right? Because it would help me out. Let's go Knicks. Okay. But I am such a sick, sick individual when it comes to the Knicks. I'm forming a coalition of Nick haters that I'm rooting for the Heat tonight. Even against my own best interest. Well, your Nets are in a different in a different stratosphere <laughs> right now. I mean, you lost your whole team. Oh, I get it. So I understand why you would feel that way. But um, yeah, I mean, that's like me saying, I mean, the Braves. That's like me saying, yeah, I go ahead, Mets uh, lose to the Red Sox. Like that's not happening. No, you root for the Mets. Clearly, no way. I would say. I want the Mets to go ahead and I would like both teams to lose, but go ahead and uh, beat you know beat the Red Sox. I, I need the Red Sox to always lose all the time. Went through a lot of hardship. No, I, I've, I've heard team, of that. So, dude, you're not going to believe this. So you got two kids, right? Yes. And sometimes they get sent home like assignments and books to read. Yes. You ready for this? Are you sitting down when I? I'm going to tell them about this. I so know. I'm very excited uh, to hear his opinion. Yeah. What's he going to say about this? All right. All right. So, now granted, it didn't offend me, but I'm also open-minded. Book bag comes home from my oldest son, Jet, who is six years old, and he says, Dad, we have a book to read. I said, okay, and I open up the book, and I'm like, what the hell? In Westchester, New York, they're sending home this book, and it's called David Ortiz. Okay, all right, David Ortiz. He's a hell of a player. He sent home a book with David Ortiz? Yeah, it's about to get worse, though. (laughs) Okay. That's bad enough, though, right? (laughs) That's pretty bad. It's about to get worse. Page one. I'm going to read it to you. Oh, you're going to read Okay. David Ortiz's team needed help. David's Boston Red Sox were playing the New York Yankees in the 2004 ALCS. The Red Sox had lost the first three games of the series. If David's team lost one more game, their season would be over. The Yankees would go to the World Series. But David and his teammates would not give up. And it's a whole story about how he would <laughs> I live in Westchester. Like, it's Yankee country. And they're sending this home for the kids to read? Joe's your thoughts. I'm, I am I would hope that you would go and see somebody in that faculty to speak to them about why they are sending home this. And you know what? You're a Met fan and you feel that way. I, I would get upset if somebody sent my son home with that. I, You know what? I, I take it like a slap in the face almost. Like, what are you doing? You know, don't do that. It's funny. You know, it's a funny story about that. 
you know, Aaron Judge had his free agent year. Yes, I heard about that. My son is a huge Judge fan. Like, right. Huge, huge, huge. Judge, Judge. He, I'm, I said, hey, what, what would you do if Judge goes to the Red Sox? And he's, you know, he's, he's a, yeah, well, I root for the Red Sox, right? I'm like, no. Wow. He said, what do you mean? But Judge is there. I'm like, no, you go to. So I have to, you know, you got to teach them. Oh, yeah. You know, so I hope that you taught your child that that is wrong. No, actually, since I'm a Met fan, I read the whole chapter twice to him. I and I said, this was a very happy moment for Dad when he was 21 years old. You know what's even worse, Joe? That's the book Aaron Boone showed the team when they were down 3-0 to the Reds. To the I Astros. can't believe that happened! What are we doing? I was I couldn't believe that they talked about, they rolled out a video to show the, to get this team galvanized about the most embarrassing you know, moment in our history. I, I apologize for defending uh, Aaron Boone on this. Can I can I attempt to it? I know you seem very upset. Most of those guys in that locker room didn't know home. or care about 2004. You know what I mean? Like it, showing it to the youth of New York City, a problem, right? Showing it even to my son because you don't know if he's a Yankee fan or not. My son is obviously a diehard Met fan and chuckled about the story of the Red Sox coming back from 3-0. He learned a valuable lesson to never give up. Mm. But I, I thought Boone showing that, as much as you guys are all pissed about it, I know I'm in the minority here. I don't know. You really think that most of those guys, like I know Harrison Bader grew up as a Yankee fan, so maybe he would take it personal. But do you think um, Kyle Higashioka cared? Do you? I tell you what. You think Josh Donaldson cared? I tell you what. Go ahead. Aaron Boone doesn't play basketball in 2003. He's on that 2004 team. He's not playing that video. Is he? I don't think so. Mm. I don't think so. That's a, it's a fair question. I got to think I, about that. I don't <laughs> think Aaron Boone is playing that video. No, it's definitely not. You know, so Oh, I, wait a second. I see what you're implying. You're implying that Boone takes great pleasure from beating the Red Sox in 03, where he hit the game-winning home run, and almost took a little bit of joy of showing the collapse of 04, saying, ha, ha, wouldn't have happened if I was there. I is that what I, you're implying? I'm just saying it didn't hurt him. <laughs> you know? But it hurt my soul to see that, that, you know, my guys are looking at people wearing their own uniform, losing in the most embarrassing fashion possible. After winning by like, how much did they win by in game nineteen three? Nineteen to eight was that game was three. Like, Wasn't it nineteen to eight or yeah, something, something like that? that. Something I remember. Crazy. Yeah, Red Sox Matt fans Sui crying. Nuts, I was, so. I was going into, I, I was listening to this same spot, Mike and the Mad Dog, and oh. Mike talking, being happy. Yeah, and, you know, Mad Dog saying, "Oh, you and know, this Red Sox is again." I apologize. I apologize for bringing up a bad memory. <laughs> now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.